But let's open with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, again, we thank you and we praise you. We ask, Lord, now as we go to your word, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to each and every one of us. Lord, we know that no one is here by chance. We're all here by divine appointment. And Lord, even as the wind is blowing around us, we ask that you would fill this place with your Holy Spirit. Be glorified. Be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, let's catch you up. So James, Lord willing, we're going to finish James uh, this morning. Uh, James, as we know, we talked about this, is a letter written by the brother, the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, some of you may not know it, but Jesus had brothers and sisters, right? Same mom, different dad. Amen. And so James was uh, his brother who did not get saved until after Jesus had risen from the dead. So can you imagine living your whole life with the Lord and never fully surrendering your life to him until he rose from the dead? Now at this point, James is now overseeing the church in Jerusalem, but the church is scattered and the church has been forced to scatter because of persecution. A time when Christians were being arrested, fed to lions, imprisoned. And so the church had spread out and this letter is written to the entire church. The thing about James is it's a very practical letter. A lot of people refer to it as Proverbs in the New Testament. And what James is giving is very practical advice how to walk in spiritual maturity. Well, how should Christians respond to different uh, circumstances in their life? We saw that he started off by saying, count it all joy. Not if, but when you fall into various trials. As believers, we're going to go through trials in this life. The Bible tells us in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And he told him in the midst of trials, he used the word that it produces patience. The word there in Greek is hupomone. It means to stand under. And so it means to stand firm or to stand under and to recognize that as we're going through trials, no suffering is wasted. God is using it to mold us more into the image of our Savior. And instead of complaining about it, keep your eyes on the Lord in the midst of it and trust that God will use it for his glory if we will let him. He then goes to, from talking about trials to talking about temptation. So trials come from the Lord. He allows them to come into our life to grow us. Temptation comes from the enemy to draw us away from God. So they're totally different things. Temptation, as we know, the enemy will lie to you. He will tell you that if you do this, your flesh will be satisfied. He never tells you about the consequences. But we know in the Bible it says later, in a few chapters later, he says, resist the devil and he will what? He flees from you. So as believers, we need to stand firm in the midst, midst of trials. And when we're tempted, it's not just an opportunity to fall. It's an opportunity to grow. Because if we resist the devil, we grow spiritually. If we succumb to him, again, we fall into his trap. As we continued on through James, he really, talked, he really ministers to us in several different areas that are very practical in the Christian believer's life. He talked about being swift to hear, slow to speak and slow to wrath. That's, great. That's a great uh, word for all of us, that we need to speak a little less and listen a lot more and be very slow to get angry. And that happens when we're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He talked about being doers of the word and not hearers only. See, it's, it doesn't matter how much of the word you know if it doesn't impact your life. If you heard me say, Monday, if Sunday, if Monday doesn't change, Sunday doesn't count. Amen? You go to church every Sunday, but you're the same person you've always been. You're not growing in your relationship with the Lord. Everyone here, you're either getting closer to God or further away from Him. And my prayer is that we're drawing closer to Him. Then he talks about 
That pure and undefiled religion is to minister to orphans and widows. You know, we as Christians should be the most charitable and giving people on the planet. Amen? That people shouldn't have to go to welfare. They should be able to come to the church and we should be able to meet their needs. He then talks about the tongue. Remember we talked about the tongue. This thing right here that causes so many problems. Amen. It says the tongue is like a little rudder that can steer the whole ship. And you know what? We talked about fresh and bitter water don't flow from the same fountain. And as believers, what comes out of our mouth, and even with the world, what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what's in your heart. Out of the overflowing of a man's heart, a woman's heart, your mouth speaks. So words don't slip out, they pour out. And, it's, and again, bitter and sweet water should not or do not flow from the same fountain. Then we got to chapter four and he talks about pride. God gives grace to the humble, resist the proud. And how pride is something we all struggle with. It's something we hate in everyone else's life. And yet we struggle with it ourselves. And then we got to chapter five last week. And in chapter five, uh, the first part, we, we talked about living in the light of coming judgment. And we talked about the false security of worldly riches. You know, if anything, if you're putting your faith in anything you can lose, you're in trouble. Here's the good news. God is in control. God is faithful. God is sovereign. We can trust him. No matter what's going on around us, God is still on the throne and they can't vote him out of office. Amen? And so we need to keep our eyes on him and not put our faith, our faith in worldly riches. We talked about the priority of patience and perseverance. Again, we, we all struggle with patience at times. We want patience right now, right? And we, wanna, we, we don't want to go through the perseverance that's necessary to grow in patience. Then we talked about the power of prayer. We're going to talk about that more this morning. Whatever you're going through in life, take it to the Lord. And we'll talk about that again. And then finally, we talked about the permanence of people. The only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. None of the stuff that we think is so important is going to outlast this life, but people are. And we need to be willing to give up that which is temporary, to minister to that which is eternal, to have an eternal focus. So now we're going to pick up again in James 5, beginning in verse 13. If you have your outline, grab it. I titled the message this morning, A House of Prayer. A House of Prayer. And we need to turn our Father's house into a house of prayer. It says in Matthew 21, Jesus said, My house shall be a house of prayer. Evidence of a healthy and spiritually mature believer is what we're going to look at in the four points we have this morning, and prayer is going to be the central theme. Number one, as I said earlier, take everything to the Lord. We're going to see in verses 13 through 15, whenever you're feeling, whatever you're going through in life, take it to the Lord. Don't take it to the world. We're, not to walk, we're to walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. The world doesn't have answers for us. The Lord does. The Lord is the answer. So we need to take everything to the Lord. Bring it to Jesus. You know, sometimes when you're suffering, you get mad at God and fall away from him. And sometimes when things are good, you cease to be desperate for God. So there's a danger when things are difficult that you can get mad at God and isolate and walk away. And there's another danger when things are good that you come to a place where you cease to see, be desperate for God and see your need for him. So no matter where you are, we need to keep our focus on the Lord. And by the way, the Lord will always answer your call. Amen? Amen. 
He's, he, he's always awake. He's always available. He always wants to hear from you. And you can pray with, because the veil's been torn, because Jesus died on the cross, we can enter into the Holy of Holies anywhere and anytime and speak to the creator of the universe. And guys, we need to do it more. Amen? Amen. Secondly, be transparent and accountable. We say this often. The church is not a police station. It's a hospital. Welcome here. Going, having gone through difficulties, and we all need to be able to love on and minister to each other. Amen? This should be a place where you can be transparent. You can share if you're grieving, if you're hurting, if you're going through difficulty. We're here to minister to you and to love on you, not to beat you up. Amen? And this should be a place you can come and be transparent and accountable. Thirdly, verses 16 to 18, pray fervently. Have a consistent, focused, and unhurried prayer life. For some of us, our prayer life is 15 seconds over our Wheaties at breakfast. That's not a prayer life. If, if Almighty God was, if Jesus came into your living room this afternoon and pulled up a chair and said, come and talk to me, I would hope we would give him more time than we're praying right now. Amen. Amen. And so when we pray, we're pulling up a chair next to Jesus. We're sitting at his feet. We're talking to the creator of the universe. And he listens every time. Now we pray in our time and God answers in his time. But we need to pray. Amen? So pray fervently. Effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Pray go and by the way, we need to pray in agreement with the word of God. We don't pray contrary to the word of God because you already got your answer. No. Amen? Well, I know this gal's not saved, but she's really pretty, and I just kind of want to date her. No! Do not be unequally owed together with unbelievers. Amen? We obey God. So when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name, which means we b believe that Jesus agrees with what we're praying. Amen? In accordance to his word. And then finally, reach out to those who have wandered away. This is such a hard thing to do. I've been a pastor for 33 years. The church I pastored in Santa Cruz was very large. And what happens from time to time, people leave. And part of you says, well, is it my job to hunt them down? Is it my job to, or do I just let them go? What do I do? And here's what I would say for all of us. Be praying. I pray through the church directory. If you're not in there, get your picture taken for the next one. So you get prayed for every day. But well, as we pray for people, be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and pick up the phone and call people. Amen? Sometimes they're hurting. Sometimes they're going through difficulty. And we need to love them enough not to call them up and be Pharisees and point fingers, but to call up and say, hey, bro, I miss you. How are you doing? Can I pray for you? Let's go get lunch. Right? Amen? That's ministry. So part of what we're going to see tonight or today is reach out to those who've wandered away. So let's begin there. Hopefully I've, I've memorized my notes. I have a feeling I'm going to lose them in a second. But let's begin there in verse 13, looking at house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Evidence of healthy church and spiritual maturity in the life of a believer. First of all, everything to the Lord. It says in verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil 
in the name of the Lord. So whether you're suffering, you're sick, you're enjoying a time of blessing, you need to keep your eyes on Jesus. If things are going wonderful, sing psalms and worship his name. If things are going difficult, cry out to the Lord in prayer. By the way, the Lord already knows what we're going through. We don't have to hide things from God. He already knows. But we need to bring it to him nonetheless. Because the word of God tells us to. So prayer is something that is a key part of the church. Again, Jesus said, you shall make my father's house a house of prayer. The word for suffering there in Greek is affliction. Enduring hardship. It's suffering trouble. And again, when people are suffering sometimes, we want to get mad at God. Now, I will say this. I have plenty of struggles of my own, but I've never been mad at God in my life because for me, it makes no sense. I run to God, not from him. Now, have I been heartbroken over situations? Absolutely. Has my heart been broken about things that, that I go through in life? Without question. Have I had concerns and, and fears sometimes? Without, without a doubt. But sometimes people do get mad at God because... And, and the world really gets mad at God. As a pastor, I'll meet people. They find out I'm a pastor. And one of the first things they'll say is, you know, my seven-year-old son died of leukemia. Where was your God then? What kind of God is that? And you understand the heartache. And you understand the grief that people go through. And we can understand people can have a, a temporal perspective. And, they, and the reason we run to the Lord is it keeps our eyes on heaven where our eyes need to be. Amen? Because when we're suffering, it's, we've got to realize it's temporary. And this is but light affliction when compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Whatever that trial is that we're going through, whatever that difficulty is, whatever that suffering may be, whether it's something physical or it's financial, maybe you have uh, some children that have, are, have walked away from the Lord or, or you've got somebody in your family that's not saved or maybe you're going to lose your job. All of those things, we need to come to the Lord in humility and in brokenness and cry out to him. This letter was written to believers that were enduring a great hardship. So when they read this, some of them were being threatened to be fed to lions. Some of them had been arrested and were sitting in cold dungeons. And they were being told in the midst of their suffering to pray. It's not to panic or lose faith or seek your own way out, not to swear a rash oath, but to bring it to the Lord in prayer. I am so glad that the Lord is always ready to listen to us. Amen? Some of my best prayer times are in the middle of the night. Sometimes they're driving between sales calls. Most of you know I have a full-time job. And I have a two-hour drive, and I'll spend two hours with the Lord. And I'm so glad that we don't have to go to some guy in a box and tell him what we need and then have him tell us what prayers we need to pray. I'm so glad that it's not the old covenant with uh, the high priest is the only one that goes into the Holy of Holies on uh, the Day of Atonement on Yom Kippur. I am so glad that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn. It's been opened up to us and we can enter into his presence anywhere at any time. And he always wants to hear from us. Amen. And I want to encourage us that we need to pray more. Let me say it again. Prayer to change God's mind. It changes our hearts. God's mind does not need to be changed. Amen? If he, if he ever changed his mind, it mean he was wrong. He's never wrong. So when we pray, we're praying not to get will done on earth, but his will done. Amen? We're coming to say, Lord, here's what I'm going through. I know that you know it. And Lord, I need you to comfort me. Or Lord, I need you to give me wisdom. 
Or Lord, I'm coming here simply to worship you and to tell you how much I love you because you are indeed a great and an awesome God. And we need to be people that have that kind of a interaction with the Lord. God is not blind to our trials. He instructs us to count it all joy in the midst of them. And suffering and trials and affliction is an opportunity to grow spiritually. Here's the saddest part. If we go through a trial and we don't learn from it, often we get to go through that trial again. And then if we don't learn, we get to go through it again. And then if we don't learn, we go through it again. One of my kids, I won't tell you who it was, had to take Algebra 2 four times. <laughs> Twice in summer school, or he wasn't going to graduate. And the point is, well, you know it was my daughter. But here, here it is. <laughs> Straight for her whole life. But here it is. Here's the reality that as believers, I don't want to miss what God wants to teach me. I want to make sure that I learn everything he wants me to learn. And, I, and then I, I, I grow in my relationship with him. Guys, if we surrender our life to the Lord, that means he can do anything with it that he wants. Amen? Amen. So I surrender my life to you on judgment day, but until then I'm in charge. No, that's not how it works. It's not to get out of hell free card, put it in your wallet and live like the world. No, God, we give our life to the Lord. We give our families to the Lord. We give our finances to the Lord. We give our talents. Lord, which means he can do with it what he chooses to do. And here's the good news. Him, our lives will be fruitful and they will be joyful. They still have trials and difficulties. But guys, I don't want to miss out on God's time. Suffering, affliction, count on joy and pray and pray. Not to go through such trials alone, but to seek God in them. And again, prayer doesn't change God's mind. It changes our hearts. Many here this morning are like these early believers. I know what's going on in many of your lives because you ask me for prayer, you fill out prayer requests. And I know many of you are enduring affliction. You are undergoing hardship. And God's word to, your, to you this morning is, seek the Lord in the midst of it. Amen? I'll counsel people and I'll ask them, how's your prayer life? Well, I don't really pray much. How's your time in the word? I haven't really been in the word a lot lately. But you want me to give you counsel? Here's the reality. You walked right from the mighty counselor to talk to the not so mighty counselor. Can I get an amen? Because you want to go to the Lord. You don't spend time with him. You don't hear from him. And then you think that another human being is going to be able to minister to you. See, temptation in times of difficulty and hardship are to question, to doubt, to lose hope, to even turn our backs on God. It says in Psalm 50, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. Let me say that again. This has been ministering to me a lot last couple of months. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. Guys, in the midst of difficulties, we need to run to the Lord. He's waiting with open arms. He wants to embrace you. He wants to encourage you in the midst of it. I'm sorry. That. If you're new here, my, my son went to heaven two months ago, so it's still, you know. So then he says, um, and the exhortation is to pray. I prayed more in the last nine weeks than I've prayed my entire life, and I've cried more in the last nine weeks than I've cried my entire life. But guys, when we're broken, that's when God can speak to us. 
when we're humble, when we're desperate, then we get to hear clearly from the Lord. Then he says, is anyone cheerful? Let them sing psalms. The word cheerful there means pleasant, agreeable, free from trouble. There are times like that, believe it or not. Amen. There are times when everything is fine. When, when right now there's no difficulty in the family, my job's okay, my finances are okay, I don't have any health problems. And when, in the midst of those, we don't want to forget God in those either. Because again, I had a, a guy that told me, I, I used to counsel with him and he'd say, I only, I only cry out to God when I'm going through tough times. And he goes, I've been going through a lot of tough times lately. And I said, well, maybe he just misses you, amen? <laughs> and we need, we need to make sure, you know, we need to make sure that we are praying always, amen? We need to be praying prayers of thanksgiving in the midst of in the midst of blessing. Times of affliction, pray. God, turn to him, it's not so easy. Times of cheer and pleasantness, uh, free from trouble. Sing praise songs, again, for the grace of God and for his mercy upon our life. And the truth is, it can be a time of great temptation to walk away or to take your eyes off of the Lord. Some years ago at the Senior Pastors Conference, uh, John Corson's son, Peter John Corson, was dealing with a, a pretty heavy illness, and it was, it was something that he had had for years. And he did a workshop on suffering and faithfulness in the midst of it. Most of you guys know I have a, a long-term parasite issue I've had since 1993. Nowhere near as bad as what he was going through. I went to that workshop, and that's where I heard shared it here many times. He said, he taught Psalm 23. You know, when you're lying down in green pastures, you can forget where the shepherd is. You know, you're lying down in green pastures, everything's great. Where's the shepherd? He's around here somewhere. I'm not sure really where he is, but he's here. But when you're walking the valley of the shadow of death, you're hanging on to the shepherd with both hands. Amen? And so we need to be mindful that when we're lying down in green pastures, to continue to hang on to the Lord and to know that when we're going through trials that we can hang on to the Lord. Again, in times of plenty can be, become so comfortable, we lose the sense of desperation. We see praise or even acknowledge God because we think we can handle it ourselves. The exhortation again is in times of suffering, seek God. In times of plenty, praise God. Always be focused on God. The ultimate sign of Spiritual maturity is when people praise God in times of suffering. See, he says in times of trial, pray. In times of suffering, praise God. But the ultimate sign of spiritual maturity is praising God in the midst of the trials. See that example in Paul, the apostle. We don't have time to read it all right now, but we know that Paul, you know, a day and night in the deep and, you know, how many times he was beaten and he lashes minus one several times and imprisoned. And, and cold often and, and hunger often and day and night. All the things he went through, yet he praised God. Barnabas, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You got to love Daniel chapter 3. Love that because, you know, we know that the, everybody was told, if you, don't bow to, if you don't bow to the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to throw you in the fire. When everybody bowed, three guys stood. And when you stand up and nobody else is standing, you get noticed. And they got called into Nebuchadnezzar and he challenged them one more time. You know, if you don't bow, I will throw you in the fire. And I could just see the, the veins popping on Nebuchadnezzar's neck as his head's about to explode because they won't bow. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response was, we will not bow and our God will deliver us. But even if not, we will never bow to your golden image. So he yelled 
was at the top of his lungs. Who was the God that will deliver you out of my hands? And then throw them in the fire and heat up the fire seven times hotter. See, that's what the enemy does. He wants to turn up the heat so you'll back down in your relationship with the Lord. And they turn up the heat seven times hotter. It was so hot that the people that threw them into the fiery furnace all burned alive. And into the fiery furnace go Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They would throw you in from the top. They could see through the side. King Nebuchadnezzar, who said, is the God that can deliver you out of my hands, looks into the fire. Instead of three bound up in chains, they were all loosened. And walking around in the fire, the fourth one was in the fire with them. And who was it? Jesus. Jesus was in the fire with them. Then he went from, who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Come out, come out, you servants of the Most High God. <laughs> Why? Because three men stood when nobody would. Amen? And they had to be called out of the fire. And I love that because no one has to be called out of fire. Guys, it's better to be in the fire with Jesus than out of the fire without him. Amen? It's better to be in the worst trial that this world can dish out, having the Lord with you, than having everything the world has to offer and having no relationship with God. Can I get an amen to that? So whatever trial you go through, you have the Lord. And we have the promise of eternal life. And because of those promises, I know I'm going to see my son again. And heaven's better. Amen? And we got a vapor of time to be about it for the kingdom of God. Richard Wormbrandt, some of you may have heard of him. He was one of the founders of, of the Voice of the Martyrs. And he was in prison in Romania for many years. He was a pastor. He actually became very good friends with my father when I was in high school. And he came and spoke at our church several times. And he... It was put into a cell that was L-shaped, so he could not lay down and he couldn't really stand up. And without getting graphic, he, you know, his own excrement, it's all, it's, and he was in there and chained up. And there were other prisoners who loved the Lord that were in there with him, but they were too far away to hear each other. But they had chains, so they started clanging their chains to tunes of worship songs and singing praise songs. Now, somebody praising God in the midst of suffering. Amen? And too often, we're bummed out at God because they don't have our favorite flavor of coffee at Starbucks and we think we're in a trial. You know, we have a, we have a, a messed up vision of what trials really are. And we don't know what it really means to truly suffer. Now notice there in, in verse 14, if sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. So sick... And it doesn't just mean disease, but it does if you have a disease, but also could mean if you're weak, you know, if you're feeble at that time. And notice it says, let him call for the elders. So James actually places the responsibility here on the person who's sick to reach out. Now, sometimes you don't have the wherewithal to do it. But one of the things that's hard for us in ministry is we'll find out that someone's been in the hospital for a week, but they never called us. And they're upset that we didn't somehow figure it out and go minister to them. We want to minister to you, but we need to know that you need to be ministered to sometime. Amen? So he says here, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders. And notice what it says, that they may, elders of the church, they may pray over you. So who are the elders? Just quickly, uh, elder, pastor, and bishop is all the same person. Uh, men are called by uh, sp spiritual oversight over the church. An elder is who he is. He is a spiritually mature man. Bishop is what he does. He has oversight over the body. And pastor is how he does it with the heart of a shepherd, willingly serving and laying down his life for others. 
So if you're sick, if you're, in, if you're hurting, if you need prayer, call for the elders. Here's what it says in the word. You guys trying to fix something up here? So these are the other elders, right on time. <laughs> so this is cutting out? Horribly. Okay. Bless her flexible. Is that going to work? Yeah, we'll just keep them both on. All righty. So note the plurality of elders. It says, let them come and pray. So when we need prayer, we ask for prayer. Now notice what it says. There's two things that take place uh, when we're praying. If I just lose me again. Okay. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So what are they to do? Pray over you and anoint you with oil. Now, some of you have been prayed over, and, and you know, like a, uh, hopefully a good pastor, I have this with me at all times. This is a vial of oil. Now, why do we anoint people with oil? Well, the Bible tells us to, and why? Because first of all, it's a representation of the Holy Spirit. And we're doing it as an act of obedience to what the Word of God calls us to do. There's nothing about the oil that it can be, it could be in those days, it could even be medicinal. Uh, we, there's parts of scripture where it says that somebody was covered in sores and they covered them with oil. So in some cases, I guess it could have been back in those days. But basically what it is, it's an act of obedience because God says, hey, let's anoint your head with oil. We'll lay hands on you and we'll pray. There's not the pastors healing anybody. And it's not really the oil itself. It's the act of obedience to do what God has called us to do. And then God is the one who heals. Amen. Amen. So no man can heal anybody. Only God can heal people. But we can come before God and pray and ask God to heal. So that God gets the glory, not any man. Amen. If you're going to go to a healing crusade and it's got some guy's name after it. Stay home and watch something on live stream instead. Amen. Because the reality is, we don't follow men, we follow the Lord. Amen? It's all about the Lord. So the group prays. Also, no one is tempted to take credit and anointing him with oil. And, and notice it says, in the name of the Lord. Because again, to he, he is the great physician. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's Almighty God. He created you in his image. He knows every cell in your body. And it's because he is the great physician. Now, I, know, I want you to know this too. God can heal you, and sometimes he uses doctors. Amen? Amen. So we want to pray and go to the doctor, if necessary, and pray for the doctor that God's using. And sometimes God will use you to minister to the doctor. Amen? And so we need to pray, but we also need to recognize that God provides doctors as well. By the way, he had an apostle named Luke who traveled with him, and guess what? Luke was a doctor. Amen? I believe it refers, again, both to the anointing with oil as an act of faith and, again, belief in the power of the Holy Spirit to do a work. And so the medicine doesn't heal necessarily. The prayer itself, it's God always the one who heals. So even when the doctors heal me, I praise, a, doc, use, a doctor is used, I still praise God. Amen? Because we need God, God's hand on the doctor. So in the name of the Lord, prayer to, we pray to the Father in the name of the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let me say that again. We pray to the Father 
in the name of the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's the Trinity. Amen? We don't pray to the Father in the name of a saint. Amen? We don't pray to the Father in the name of Buddha or Muhammad or anybody else. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. So we pray to the Father in the name of the Son. When we pray in the name of the Son, we say we're coming in his name. We're also saying we're coming in agreement with his word. And we pray it in the power of the Holy Spirit. God calls us to do it. We obey. And again, he is the one who responds. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Now, I want you to see that whole verse. Because the prayer of faith will praise the sick is where most of the uh, name it and claim it, grab it and blab it, believe it and achieve it churches stop. <laughs> They're the ones that tell you that if you have enough faith, you can tell God what to do and he has to do it. If you say, I've got to have faith, you've got to have faith, you've got to have faith. I'm like, faith in what? Amen? It's not faith in faith, it's faith in Christ. Amen? Amen? And so what will happen is, it'll all, there'll be this big thing about faith, and they'll talk about faith, and you say, faith in what? They don't even know. And they'll make commands of God and tell God to do things that are contrary to his word. And most often in these churches, what they're asking for is money and stuff. And guess what? Those are the very things that take our eyes off of Jesus. Amen? Too much. I, don't, I don't want 50 cents more than I need to live my life completely desperate for God. Because I do not want to get to a place where my finances are enough that I seek to be desperate. Amen? Amen. We live in a time where we just want to be comfortable. You got to be comfortable in your retirement? You got to be comfortable? How comfortable are you? Guess what? He sent a comforter because we're not supposed to be comfortable. Amen? We live in a world right now where if you're too comfortable, you're not being about the kingdom of God. Amen? There wasn't one amen in the room on that one. <laughs> if you're too comfortable, we don't want to be so comfortable we cease to be desperate. Amen? amen. We don't want to cease to be so comfortable that our prayer life suffers. I love going to India. And, and I teach up to a thousand pastors at a time how to study and teach the Bible. And then I go back to, they'll invite me back to their, their little places. And, and a lot of them live on dirt with, you know, in a, in a hut in dirt. And they've got five family members living in there. And they got a bag of rice and a, and a little propane heater. And that's all they own. And they have the clothes on their back. And they, have, they praise the Lord. And they pray fervently because they realize when Jesus is all you need, you realize that when Jesus is all you have, you realize Jesus is all you need. Amen? And too often we get so distracted. Some of you are already worried I might go over and you might get there after halftime of the football game today. Because guys, we've got our focus on the wrong thing sometimes. Amen? He will save the sick. But notice what it says. This is why we need to keep praying. And the Lord will raise him up. See, your faith doesn't raise him up. The Lord raises him up. It's your faith in the Lord. Amen? See, it's too often, it's, well, as long as you have faith. And then they stop the verse right there. And it's very dangerous. They will tell people that are cripples, you're only crippled because you don't have enough faith. You're only unmarried because you don't have enough faith. You're only struggling financially because you don't have enough faith. Well, look at the people that were used mildly in Scripture. They all suffered greatly. Do you think the Apostle Paul didn't have enough faith? 
He was tormented. He had a thorn in the flesh all of his life. Guys, we've got to focus on the wrong things if we think that God is just some genie in the sky waiting for us to tell him the next order of things that we want in our life. Guys, we come humble and broken before the Lord because guess what? He knows what's best for us. I'm a dad. I tried my, I tried my whole life. I still do. I have three grown kids, four, one's in heaven. But my prayer is always what's best for them. And I'll sacrifice anything to do what's best for them. And if you're a parent, you do the same. But guess what? We're in perfect moms and dads, and we have a perfect heavenly father. Do you, don't you think that what he does for us is what's best for us? Amen. Amen? He wants to grow us spiritually. He cares more about your character than he does your comfort. And he's a great and awesome God. He said, Let, he will raise them up. And he says, and he committed sins, he will be forgiven. Notice the prayer. We pray to the Lord for struggles with health for prayers that need to be answered, but we also pray to the Lord to ask to be forgiven. Jesus gave the model prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day, or give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. One of the things that we should be praying for daily is forgiveness. Amen? Well, I didn't sin yesterday. Yeah, you did. Amen. Count your thought life, prideful for a moment, anything like that. And so we do need, we need to be praying without ceasing. Again, we pray for God's wisdom. We pray for God's direction. We pray for intercession for others, but we also pray and ask God to forgive us. Oh Lord, forgive us. Lord, even if you didn't necessarily have a bunch of sins you could list, you could still say, but Lord, I could have prayed more. Lord, I spent, should have spent more time in, my word, in the Word. Lord, I probably missed out on some divine appointments today because I was focused on myself. And you know what? Intimate fellowship with God, it just molds us more into the image of our Savior. And the more time you spend with Him, the more you become like Him. People tell me all the time, most of you never met my dad. Tim was one of the few that did. Uh, my dad and I, everybody says our, my mannerisms are just scary my dad. Well, my dad was a pastor for 60 years. And I grew up watching my dad teach the Bible, and he's my favorite Bible teacher ever. And so, yeah, and they say, look at your mannerisms. I'm like, well, because I hang out with my dad, I'm a lot like my dad. Guys, if we hang out with Jesus, we'll be more like Jesus. Amen? Amen? Spend time in his presence. And again, he will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And clearly, God does not grant immediate healing for every prayer of faith. The reasons are hidden in the mind and the heart of God, and still many are not healed because there is no prayer of faith offered. So sometimes we pray, we pray by faith, and God says no, because our lives belong to him. I shared this with you guys, uh, just to show you how, how much I believe in prayer. When we went to the mortuary four days after my son died, I brought oil, I, I laid hands on him, and I prayed fervently that God would raise him up. And God said, no, but I'm glad I prayed it anyway. Amen. Amen. We have not because we ask not. We, there's things we just don't pray for. We need to pray and come humbly before God. We are to pray believing in humble confidence that God will heal. Having prayed, we leave the matter in God's hands. Prayers of faith can also be in response to the Lord's prompting. You know, it's interesting how this is how I believe I get, the reason I have so many divine appointments in my life, I believe they've always been there. I believe I've missed them for years, but now I pray for them every day. And as I pray for them, I'm more sensitive to them. What's a divine appointment? You're walking in the grocery store, 
and God puts it on your heart to walk up to somebody and talk to them about the Lord. Somebody moves on, God moves on your heart to pick up the phone and call somebody and you call them and it's right on time. See, the Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion. And as we pray and spend time in his presence, we ask God to give us opportunities to minister to people's lives. I believe he gives them to us every single day. God still hears, heals today. We have not because we ask not. I want to see more miracles. How about you? But you know what? If I never see another miracle again, the word of God is enough for me to have faith in him. But I also know that we have not because we ask not. I've shared this in India. And again, I didn't see it happen. And people still will question me when I tell them. I had a guy that was my interpreter on, for two weeks. He drove me everywhere I went. Every day when I was speaking to a thousand, he was doing all the interpretation. And I was going to speak in churches at night. And so I asked him, how did you get saved? He said, well, when I, was, when I was nine years old, my dad had abandoned us, and then my mom died. And in my village, after three days, they take your body, they put it, up on a, put it up on something, they set it on fire and burn the body. And his mom was, and everybody was wailing in the village. There was a small village. Everybody was wailing as the mom was up on this place to be uh, set on fire. And they said, this man came walking in from out of the, you know, out of the jungle area, walks into their village, had never seen him before. He climbs up on top, lays hands on his mom, prays, and after being dead three days, she set up. He said the whole village got saved. I said, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> he said, all seven of my siblings are all in ministry. That whole village got radically saved, and my mom lived 35 more years and then went to heaven. And I'm like, wow. You know what I mean? Like, how come, you know why we don't see people, because we don't pray for it. Amen. We have not because we ask not. And we can ask and sometimes God says no. Again, Paul prayed, thorn in his flesh, God allowed it to stay. It kept him humble. It kept him broken. It kept him desperate. Also to pray again, to be forgiven. And there's a possible, now look, I want to say this too. Too often people will, will equate sin to illness. Right? Remember the apostle said that. Why is this man blind? Was it his sin or the sin of his parents? And the Lord told him it wasn't anybody's sin. Now, sometimes your sin can lead to illness. If you drink alcohol, you know, if you're an alcoholic and you drink a ton of alcohol, you can get cirrhosis of the liver. If you go out and you're committing adultery, you can get a sexually transmitted disease. I mean, there are certain things you can do that can lead to illness. But more often than not, illness isn't necessarily related to sin. But too often, that's what the world wants to think. If you're sick, you must not be, you know, there's something in your life that needs to be confessed. God doesn't always heal. Again, if he always healed, we'd never die. Amen? The name and acclaim guys are like, oh, God always heals. Well, dude, I'm going to be at your funeral proving that's not true. Amen? God, God heals when he wants to heal. And we trust him because he knows what's best. Amen? Praise God will always forgive those who come confessing their sins and seeking forgiveness. So point number one there of a house of prayer, take everything to the Lord. Point number two, be transparent and accountable. Look at verse 16. He says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So first he says, confess your trespasses to one another. Now the first person we need to ask for forgiveness is the Lord. But if I've sinned against you, I should ask you for your forgiveness as well. And here's the reality. 
it's easier to ask God for forgiveness than it is to ask somebody else. Can I get an amen to that? Because we know he's loving, he's gracious, he's merciful, and he will forgive us. But we are not always sure about the person that we ask for forgiveness if they'll forgive us. We're to forgive others as Christ forgave us. That means there really is no reason ever for you not to forgive. There just isn't. I've already shared with you, the guy's name is Nick. Pray for him. The guy that sold the stuff that killed my son. And uh, my prayer is that when he goes to jail, I'm going to ask for an opportunity to go in to share with him. And I'm going to tell him that we forgive him and that we're praying for him and that he needs to know Jesus. Guys, we're to forgive others as Christ forgave us. Amen. Amen. Let's be forgiving. While we seek forgiveness from those we've sinned against, Sin remains unless we're forgiven by God. And confession here is a source of accountability. It breaks the power of secret sin. By the way, you don't have any secret sins. They're just secret from everyone else. God knows. Amen? You know what a lot of sin is done? When you're by yourself. When you're on your own. When you're staring at your computer. There's no accountability. That's why that uh, ministry and church is not for the Lone Ranger. We need to be in fellowship. And we need to love each other enough to be accountable. And we need to have people that know us well enough that we can be transparent and we know that they will continue to love us. Amen? Amen. Too often we're ashamed. We want to hold on to it and not be transparent. I want to promise you that confession is always worth it. By the way, it says pray that you may be healed. Again, pray, don't gossip. You know, oh, and don't gossip and call it a prayer request. Hey, you know what? I just had lunch with so-and-so. You need to pray for him. I'm just sharing this with you so you can pray for him. Here's all the things he's struggling with. That's gossip. Amen? So what we need to do is keep it to ourselves and pray and minister to them. Be available. Again, reach out. The result of con- result, uh, confession to others and pray that we can be healed. Not confession to a man who hands out penance. Again, you don't need to pray Hail Marys. First of all, Mary can't heal, hear you. Amen. And Mary can't forgive anything. And Mary was a sinner in need of a savior just like us. She was blessed among women. She was used mildly by God. We don't pray to anybody but the Lord. Amen. Amen. Don't pray to saints. Sins paid in full, only God can forgive sin. He paid the price. And again, confession is transparent, open communication with other believers, and it brings about accountability and encouragement. So what's a mature response to confession? Not gossip, but loving intercessory prayer. The third thing we see there is pray fervently. Then notice he says that. He says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Effectual and fervent literally means energetic. You know, I think when we pray, it should come from the depths of one, one's spirit, from your heart, and it should be energized by heaven. Amen? And you know the difference when you're praying with fervency and when you're just mumbling some words. Amen? You know that there's those times when you're really focused on the Lord, you're passionate about it, and you're really seeking God with your whole heart. And then we know that there's times when, oh, everybody's around the table, I guess we have to pray, and we mumble a few words. Reminds me of in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and the word there says, and the power shall come upon you. The word power there is dunamis, where we get dynamic or dynamite. And enthusiasm, entheos, means filled with God. 
Theos is God and is filled with. Enthusiasm means filled with God. So I'm not saying we need to, you know, put on some act when we're praying, but I do believe that even when we're praying silently, there should be fervency. We should be energetic about our prayer. We should have a heart and a passion for what we're praying about. Fervent prayer is unwavering. It's focused. It's filled with praise. And it's energized by heaven. We're talking to God. He deserves our complete attention. Amen? You would never have Jesus sitting in front of you talking to him and be watching the football game at the same time. Amen? You wouldn't be... You know, finding out what's for dinner. This is what we do. We're praying sometimes and we're, we're kind of praying and we're thinking about getting this prayer over because the barbecue smells good or whatever, right? And, we're, and what happens is God deserves our full attention. Let's come humbly before him. Notice it says it's a fervent prayer of a righteous man. It's not a lukewarm attitude that virtually asks God to care about something we care little about. We should be praying for things we care about. Amen. You want to see people saved? Now that was pathetic. I said, do you want to see people saved? One amen from left field. Do you want to see people saved? Guys, this is what we should be living and moving and breathing and thinking about. Amen? Aren't you glad you're going to heaven? Are you burdened for people going to hell? We should be burdened for them. Amen? So let's start praying for our coworkers that don't know Jesus with fervency and watch the divine appointments. Then he says, of a righteous man, the effectual prayer of a righteous man, not based on one's wealth or rank or position or level of education or eloquence of speech. We would break up into prayer groups and people go, I don't like to pray because I'm not very eloquent. Eloquent is nauseating sometimes. Amen? Someone's trying to impress you with their vocabulary when they're praying. Does your four-year-old have a vocabulary when he comes and sits in your lap and asks you something? No. And you're attentive because you love him and he's your son. Amen? And we come before the Lord. Here's my, here's my favorite prayer the last nine weeks. I pray it daily. Help! I'm getting ready to go into a sales call and I'm weeping. Lord, help. You got to show up. Help. Lord, help. You know what? He hears that prayer. It's not eloquent, but it's heartfelt. Amen? And too often we think we got to be eloquent or we have to, you know, the Pharisees love to stand in the street corner and wear the black robes and make sure everybody could hear them pray. So they go, oh, look how spiritual they are. And you know, it's the, it's the poor beggar that comes humbly before God who gets God's attention. Amen. So we need to come humbly before him. It's the right, it's a, it's right standing before God that opens up our ability to truly pray with fervency, not eloquent speech or anything else. Walking in faithful obedience to his word is only possible through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And there's much power in the prayer of someone who's walking in obedience to the word of God. Now, he always hears our prayers. But when we're walking in the center of his will, there's more power to our prayer. James, who God used to pen these words, was such a man. An ancient historian uh, testified regarding James that he got the nickname of Camel Knees. And he got the nickname because he was on his knees so much praying that his knees were calloused. I remember a friend telling me, I was at a pastor's conference many years ago, and a well-known Calvary Chapel pastor, he was in the room next to him, and he said he went out on his balcony to look out at the scenery or whatever, and he saw this pastor was going to be preaching the next morning on his knees at 8 o'clock at night. 
He said he went to sleep. He got up at six. He went back out, and the pastor was still on his knees praying, wearing the same clothes he'd been wearing the night before. He got up that morning and preached one of the most amazing messages that I still remember to this day, and it was 12 years ago. Power comes from spending time in the presence of Almighty God. Amen. And we need to come humbly and broken and give him our full attention. And I will say this, we don't always have to pray for hours, but it's good that we do sometimes. Amen. But we don't, we, we just need to come humbly before him. He hears our prayers. Like I said, I pray help. Lord, help me. Sometimes I just groan. My wife was, t- Tim's working at her house. She goes, I did it. My, my wife goes, he does that all the time. And I'll just be up in my office and I'll be doing something. I'll just go, oh. And I'm crying out to the Lord, like, Lord, I don't even know what to pray right now. You know, God hears that. God knows our hearts. Amen. Let's come humbly before him. Point number three, pray fervently. Continue on there. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Now, how in the world did he have the boldness to pray for, for no rain? You know how he had the boldness? He knew what the word of God said. He was praying according to the word of God. Let me read it to you. In Deuteronomy 11, it says this, and this is scripture that Elijah would have known. Take heed to yourselves that your heart does not be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath will be kindled against you and shut up heaven, that there will be no rain that the land yield no fruit, lest you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord gave you. So there's a prayer. He knows that that is what the Bible says. So he goes in and confronts King Ahab. If you've been coming to 2 Kings on uh, Thursday nights, you know all about King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Jezebel was so wicked, she broke her name, right? You have met any Jezebels lately? Exactly. <laughs> When you're so evil that you break your name like Judas, met any Judases lately, any Adolphs, not so much. So here's the reality. When you're, you're that evil, you break the name. So Ahab was worshiping Baal and Asheroth, his wife Jezebel had brought Baal worship. So what does Elijah do? He goes in in front of Ahab, who's killing all the prophets, of which he is one. He kicks down all the statues to Baal. And then he says, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. You know how he knew? Because God's word already said so. Amen. So we can pray in confidence for things that the word of God already says. Amen. So that's why we need to know the word of God. So we can pray in accordance with the word of God. A man of fervent and effectual prayer, Elijah, prompted by the Holy Spirit in agreement with his words, boldly told Ahab, because of what you've done, it's not going to rain according to my word. Again, only because his word was God's word. Amen. I shared this last week that it was just a, a thing that happened really quick. I didn't even think about it. I'm walking out of, I'm walking with Pastor Tim and we were going to get in the line. The taco line was too long. So we were going to walk across the street to the restaurant, to the car and to the restaurant. I see this guy out of the corner of my eye. I know he pastors the Calvary Chapel in Wilmington where I, I got saved in Wilmington at the First Baptist Church in Wilmington. Their building's been empty for years. I think they have five people meeting on Sundays. It's, it's very small. And I've been praying for four years that he would get that building. I saw him out of the corner of my eye. I walked over and all I did was tap him on the chest and said, you need to get that building, the First Baptist Church of Wilmington on Broad Avenue. And I walked away and he stopped me. He said, come here. We were all just praying about that building as to whether or not God would want us to get that building. And you came, walked over and said, you need to go get that building. See, God 
When we just be available, God will use you in ways that you don't even know. Amen? Amen. Just be available. Be prayed up and watch what God will do. I told them the first Sunday they're in that building, I'm going back because that's where I got saved and where I got baptized as a kid. And let's just pray they get it. Final point, reach out to those who are wandering. Look at verse 19 and 20. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. When you hear that someone is struggling and someone has wandered away from the truth, you can be self-righteous and arrogant. You can gossip about them. Or you can pray for them and reach out to them. And Matthew 18, you go, you go by yourself first and reach out to that person. And by the way, you know how you can reach out to people? Have a relationship with people. Amen? If we know people, then we... We can reach out to them in love. And you, and you can call them up and say, hey, bro, you know what I've noticed? I haven't seen you at church in a long time. Um, you know, I may have heard this about you as well. Man, we should get together. I'd love to just get together and pray with you. All right, let's just go meet for lunch. And then just speak into their life. Tell them that you love them. Ask them how they're doing. How can I minister to you? How can I pour into your heart? And just be available. And you know what happens? One of two things happens. If the person doesn't know the Lord, they may come to know the Lord. And if they know the Lord, you're helping them repent. Amen? That's what he says here. You can save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So I would hope that we love each other enough. I would hope if you see me, and I've had people come to me and say, you know, when you do this, I find it offensive or whatever it is. And I want to hear that. I think as believers, we should love each other enough to say, you know what? If you want to minister to me, I'm right here. Amen? And we need to be in fellowship. Forsake not the gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches. And I get it. We can be homesick for a length of time. There's things that can happen. But it, be, but it becomes a habit. I know a lot of people that stopped going to church because of COVID and aren't back yet. Amen? And the enemy's winning. And guys, it's not the same watching church on TV. Amen? Because you know what? We're not consumers, we're servants. And you can't serve from your living room, amen? You can't minister to other people if you're not here. We miss you when you're not here. We love you. And again, if you've got a health issue you're concerned about, then you do what the Lord tells you to do. But if it's anything other than that, I'll give you directions to the new church if you haven't been here yet, amen? We want you here, okay? So in closing, a house of prayer. My house should be called a house of prayer, evidence of a healthy church and a spiritually mature believer. Just think about, I, when I do this, when I prepare this, I think about myself for 20 hours, 25 hours. You guys get it for an hour. But I go through this list, and as I'm doing this, I'm thinking about my own life. Are you taking everything to the Lord? Whatever you're feeling or going through, are you bringing it to Jesus? Know that he always wants to hear from you. He doesn't care how small or how great it is. He loves you and he wants to hear from you. Number two, be transparent and accountable. Christianity is not for the Lone Ranger. Confess your sins one to another. Thirdly, pray fervently. Have a consistent, focused, and unhurried prayer life. When was the last time you got somewhere without any distractions, away from everybody else, got on your knees, and spent time in God's presence? Guys, that should be daily, not occasionally. Amen? 
And again, I don't think that, you know, praying on your knees doesn't make it more prayerful. But for me, I just feel like when I'm on my knees or on my face, I just, my prayer's more fervent. Amen? So I want to encourage you. And then finally, reach out to those who are wondering. I'd encourage you to just pray. And God, bring names to mind of people that I should reach out to. If there's anybody that I know that I haven't seen in a while, don't be, again, don't be a Pharisee. Be loving, be kind, be gracious. Because you know what? If people know you love them, they'll be glad to hear from you. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you for your word. We thank you for your love and your grace and your infinite mercy. I pray for all of us, Lord, that we indeed would make this house a house of prayer. And the Lord, we would pray more. That we would seek your will more. That, Lord, we would remain humble and broken and desperate before you. I pray if there's anybody here today, Lord, that doesn't know you, or anybody here today that has wandered from you, that today would be the day of salvation or the day that they turn back to you, that they recommit their life to you to make you the priority and the passion of their life yet again. The Bible says in Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. If you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord, I'm not asking you to join a church, but just to openly confess that you are a sinner, that you recognize that Jesus is the one who paid for your sin, and you want to surrender your life to him. If you do that, the Bible says that you will be born again, that he will fill you with, your holy, with his Holy Spirit. He will make you a new creation in Christ. Don't leave here without him. If that's your desire right now, just raise your hand where you are. I want to pray with you. Anybody at all. God bless you. Anybody else? Today, the day of salvation. Don't leave here without him. God bless you. Anybody else? Lord, you see those that have raised their hands. And, and those that have raised your hand, just pray with me. You can pray aloud or you can pray in your heart. God knows your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you and I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross for my sins. Help me, Lord, to walk with you. Help me, Lord, to be in the word. Fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for the promise that I'm going to heaven and that you'll never leave me or forsake me. In Jesus' name, amen.